All right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, back for a solo show, just a quick update to keep some stuff tuning out, and we're going to look at the August 30 episode of Heat from 1998 and compare that one to the September 3rd episode of Thunder. This um, episode of Heat you might recognize as being the one right before SummerSlam 1998, so it's pretty much the pre-show, fills the spot of what that would be now, and Thunder is very, very unmemorable as we'll get to as we go on through, so yeah, I thought I'd come back and throw another little review up, keep this little Heat and Thunder timeline going, and see how we go from there. Without wasting any more breath, since I've got nobody else to introduce, let's head straight over to Heat and see what's up. So heat obviously comes to us from a out Madison Square Garden because it's right before SummerSlam 98 and it's got the unique commentary team of Shane McMahon and JR. This is of course not the commentary team all night as very quickly we're joined by a third man. It's Shawn Michaels coming out to join in so I was pretty hyped with that. I um, I obviously know from clips and stuff that Shawn Michaels does appear sporadically on commentary but I didn't realize it was this specific episode so that hyped me up right away. What didn't hype me up, though, was the first match. It's too much taking on LOD 2000. Too much you might recognize as the precursors to Too Cool. Uh, before they were baby faces. this was their heel gimmick. And LOD 2000, um, entrance to start, and Sean calls them LOD 1000 because only one of them comes out, that being Animal. Hawk stumbles out some way over, uh, comes out and stops Draws getting in the ring to be in the match. We go a mile a minute because we actually see Edge watching in the crowd while all this is going on as well. When the match gets started, we have Scott Taylor hitting a drop kick, a double team suplex by Animal. Uh, is it well? It's attempted by Too Much on Animal, who actually suplexes them both, which was a pretty impressive spot. Gives them both a clothesline, a power slam, and a power bomb. Signals for the Doomsday, but Hawk climbs the turnbuckles the wrong way. Falls off backwards, lightly tapping Animal, who takes a bump and gets pinned for the 1-2-3. So I'll just read my notes here. Shit angle, shit finish, shit all round. (laughs) It was really, really bad. Um, They accidentally flash a Stone Cold graphic before the replay as well in a little uh, rare production snafu for the WWF at the time. But yeah, this was pretty poor. This is actually going to take one of my two dick moves of the week this week. And they're going out to bookers, one for each show, believe it or not. Um, this is, I, as far as I'm aware of Vince Russo thing, so he gets the dick move of the week on the WWF side for booking this atrocious angle. Up next, Shawn Michaels brings out Sable, ogles her for a bit, um... She says it won't be an oddity that joins her in the mixed tag with her guest partner, surprise partner, up against Miro and Jacqueline at at SummerSlam and asks Shawn Michaels for a dance in a little bit of an awkward exchange of which I'll cut a little bit in here for you guys to check out and see what I mean. Now I know the bombs are going to be exploding and everybody knows that the WWF puts on pay-per-view like nobody. But the one question that everybody wants answered from you, sweetheart, is who 
is gonna be your mystery tag team partner. And you know what? As you know, you can tell me anything. Now, Sean, if I told you who my partner was, it wouldn't be a secret anymore, would it? But let me tell you what I am gonna do. I'm not gonna tell you who my partner will be, but I will tell you who it isn't. All right, lay it on us. Even though they're very dear to my heart and they always make me laugh, it's not gonna be one of the oddities. Interesting. Unfortunately, their dance card was full tonight. And speaking of dance cards, Why don't you show me what you've got? Hit the music. Yeah, the chemistry between Sable and Sean was not quite the same as between Sonny and Sean, but there you have it. Our next contest is Gangrel taking on Dustin Rhodes, who's wearing a shirt that says he's coming back. We get a bulldog from Dustin, a power slam for a two, an inverted atomic drop, and a clothesline for a two before Gangrel hits the Impaler DDT for the 1-2-3 and picks up the very quick victory over Dustin. We then go to Michael Cole with DX. Um, Triple H says nothing's going to be the same after tonight. We get an update on the Mario Lopez-Valvinas angle from Heat a week or two back. And then Michael Cole's with Vince, who says he's going to stop Stone Cold ruining the main event. Stone Cold is, of course, in the parking lot waiting for Undertaker and Kane to arrive with a sledgehammer. So lots going on. As I said earlier, they do cram a lot into the time they've got here. From there, we go to Jeff Jarrett and Southern Justice coming out, who grab the Fink, who is in the ring for ring announcing duties, and shave his head. Uh, Jeff Jarrett then gives the classic mono, don't piss me off. And we go straight backstage to see the Stooges trying to take the hammer off Austin unsuccessfully as we go to a commercial. So we are, yep, as I said, flipping backwards and forwards quite quickly. Our next match is the DOA taking on Bradshaw and Vader. Poor Vader. Two years ago, he was in the main event at SummerSlam, and here he is on the pre-show. He and Bradshaw argue right from the start. Skull hits a power slam before Vader hits a clothesline. Eight ball hits a suplex before Bradshaw hits a big boot. Vader gets accidentally Irish whipped into Bradshaw, so Bradshaw nails him, and this allows the DOA to roll up Vader for the one, two, three. And yeah, I just really feel for the guy. Such a great monster being wasted here. He and Bradshaw brawl to the back. And to be honest with you, I didn't even know that Vader lasted this long, so there you have it. Cole shields some WWF merch as we go to our next commercial break. When we come back, Vince McMahon tries to take the hammer from Austin and he's sent packing quite quickly. And we get a video package on the upcoming Intercontinental title ladder match between The Rock and Triple H. When we come back from the next commercial, we've got a countdown on screen for the pay-per-view, which would have been an incentive for a young me to get on there if I hadn't booked it yet. Before we end, though, The Nation come out and DX follow suit and we brawl. And this allows The Rock to hit Triple H in the knee with the championship belt, so injuring him before the big match. And then we go backstage and the hearse arrives, which we assume Taker and Kane are in. Austin beats it up with the sledgehammer and drives a forklift into it to end the show. So 
yeah, a lot crammed into about 45 minutes of TV time and a lot of hype for the big pay-per-view that, you know, sort of one of the traditional big four. So I definitely, as I said earlier, if I was on the fence, I'd be jumping on it about now. And yeah, I guess in that sense, it did its job. So not a bad episode of Heat, but not really much meat on the bone as far as matches go. The first match has that horrible LOD 2000 angle and the rest of them just serve as a backdrop for all the backstage segments and the skits and the um, little setups to try and build heat on the matches on the main card. That will do it for Sunday Night Heat. today i'm actually going to talk about my favorite championship belt i mean it is something i've acquired quite recently as opposed to a long-lasting memory but it is from a time far ago so my favorite belt like many um belt guys i guess is the wwf wing eagle the wwf championship that was prevalent through the late 80s and early to mid 90s before the big eagle took over after wrestlemania 14 I currently have one of those in my collection. I've got the one on the blue strap, a la the Ultimate Warrior, who obviously was my favorite as a kid, so makes sense to have that one. But yeah, that's my favorite belt. Um, would love to hear everybody else's if anyone disagrees. I think it's a pretty safe bet, this one, isn't it? Most people do love the Wing Eagle and recognize it as one of, if not the best belt that the WWF has ever produced. But yeah, there you have it. That's my favorite at the moment. Coming from someone who has... I want to say probably about a dozen of them. So yeah, that one's still top of the pile. And if I could only have one, it would be that one. That does it for the solo memories. Not a lot to interact with when I'm on the show solo, but it is what it is. Let's head over and see what Thursday or Wednesday, I'm not even sure at this stage, what Thunder had to offer. Thunder from September 3rd, 98, has the commentary team of Tony Schiavone, Lee Marshall, and Bobby Heenan. Um, I've just put here as well, the match graphics look bleak. I sometimes, depending on what device I'm watching on, I will click ahead and see what's on the show just to get myself excited to watch it because sometimes some of these shows can be a bit of a chore when you know you've got to get it done to record. And yeah, it doesn't look star-studded, this one, so bear with me if I'm a little bit more negative than usual. We start out with Rick Fuller taking on Marty Jannetty. Um, Marty Jannetty, it's just his Titantron is just him jogging lightly to the ring, which reminds me of my favorite ever Titantron, and that was the big boss man's from 2000, maybe. Um, I think seeing it on the Oval SmackDown um, graphics, uh, sorry, screens, probably on one of the SmackDown video games, but it was literally just like five seconds of footage looped and looped, and that's what this reminded me of. 
When the match gets started, Janetti hits a roll-up, a drop toe-hold, and a drop kick. Before Fuller catches him with a flapjack, we see a lot of empty seats at ringside on the hard camera, which is a terrible look. We get a beal from Fuller before Janetti hits the rocker dropper in a huge upset. I did not think he was going to be picking up a win in 1998 on Nitro. Um, cool. We go to a commercial. When we come back, we re- recap the current storyline between Saturn and Raven's flock, where Saturn lost a match and has to, has had to become Lodi's lackey for a month. From there, we go to our next contest, which is Lenny Lane taking on Kaz Hayashi. Kaz hits a spin kick. Lenny hits a eye poke. Kaz flips out of a German, which is a very um, then hits a Hurricane Rana, which is very WCW NWO revenge on the Nintendo sixty four. Kaz hits a suicide dive, Lenny a power slam, a top rope runner, and a top rope senton from Kaz for the one, two, three. Um, an actual senton, not a swanton a la Jeff Hardy. We then go to a recap of last week's DDP and Canyon versus Stevie Ray and Giant angle. When we come back, it's time for our next matchup, High Voltage taking on Disorderly Conduct. These are two of those teams that... Oh, just don't excite me one bit. And putting them both in the same match was very blur for me. We start with some pretty slow chain wrestling. We're going to belly to belly from Rage. High Voltage just look like a dollar store version of Evil Crush uh, times two. We get a really weird audio drop and then the crowd comes in with definitely fake noise. So my enjoyment of this match goes down even further. High Voltage just basically do power moves. Rage um, throws three drop kicks to shut me up, saying all they do is power moves. And then we get a springboard doomsday device for the one, two, three. High Voltage picking up the win as we go out to commercial. When we come back, if you thought Marty Janetti on 1998 TV was bad, we're now going to watch Wrath take on Barry fucking Horowitz. <laughs> yes, that's right, Barry Horowitz. New gen, eat your heart out, as we've got Barry Horowitz doing <laughs> being fed to a Adam Bomb squash match. We get a clothesline, a shoulder block, a pump handle slam, and the one, two, three as we go to commercial. So, yeah, that was about as exciting as I made it sound. After the commercial, Saturn cuts a promo on his issues with the flock. Not a great promo. I'll splice a little bit of it in for you here and tell me if I'm being a little bit too harsh, but I never thought Saturn was a great talker. Only one man that can answer that as we give you a very special one-on-one up-close interview with Saturn here on TBS. This isn't about the flock. This is about Raven, or the fact that Raven manipulates and bullies people. I've seen people like this my whole life, and I'm fed up with it. A lot of people are calling me Lodi's lackey, his servant. Let me try to explain. I got myself into a match that I thought I was going to win. I had no idea Canyon was going to cost me the match. I'm a man of my word, and I'm going to keep my word and be lowly servant until the pay-per-view. I put myself in this situation because it's important to me to break up the flock. It's important to me to stop Raven from bullying these guys. Yeah, sure, I regret it now. I wish I wouldn't have done it, but there's nothing I can do. I gave my word, and I'm going to uphold my end of it. Why is my word so important to me? Well, first of all, growing up, I didn't have much of anything. All I had was my word, and I learned to put high value on that. After the promo from Saturn, we go into Meng versus Riggs and Sick Boy. It's Raven's rules, so he makes it a handicap. Tongan just uh, Tongan 
Meng just hands out Tong and Death Grips all round. After about two seconds, everyone that gets one's paralyzed. He beats three of them inside a minute. Lodi sends Saturn in to get himself some. Saturn gets the upper hand before Canyon kicks him in the back of the head, and he goes into the Tong and Death Grip as well as the flock walk out. This made uh, Meng look like a bit of a beast, but everybody else looked like complete jabronis, so... Considering I think they're trying to advance the Saturn Flock storyline, I don't think making Meng look like the world's toughest man, though he didn't need any help, was exactly what they were going for. We come back, and now we've got Saturn versus Canyon. Canyon hits an electric drop into a uh, electric chair drop into a face buster, and then he goes on a prolonged beatdown. Saturn comes back and fires up with a backbreaker and a neckbreaker, um, a spinebuster and a belly-to-belly and an exploder before Lodi tells him not to win the match orders him to get up and take the flatliner. Canyon hits him with a flatliner, one, two, three, as we go to the next commercial. When we come back, it's time for the other half of Chronic, Brian Adams, to take on Dean Malenko. Just when I think, oh, at least a Dean Malenko match won't be half bad, Mr. Perfect, or sorry, Kurt Hennig, jumps him during his entrance, nails the referee, out comes Rick Rude, and a three-on-one beatdown ensues, including a Rick Rude, Rude Awakening, and hip swivel, despite the fact that he's wearing a suit. He cuts a promo saying there'll be no cage match at the pay-per-view and covers him in a small piece of mesh a la a cage as we go to a commercial. This just really struggled to hold my interest. Uh, We're chewing on through this, and I know this is going to be a short episode of the podcast, but honestly, there's not much meat on the bone on this show, and Heat, even though I enjoyed it, was pretty much a pay-per-view shill, so there's just no real advancement here going on. From there, we go to Norman Smiley versus Riggs. Riggs selling eight seconds in that he was in the Tongan death grip earlier. So, yep, Meng still looking like a monster. Norman Smiley hits a slam, a leg drop, and a spine buster for a two. They brawl around the outside to more can noise, and then Smiley locks on a knee bar, and the match is over. Our next match is Scott and Steve Armstrong taking on Alex Wright and Disco Inferno, a.k.a. the Dancing Fools. We get chain wrestling and an Alex Wright dropkick, a disco arm drag before the Armstrong brothers double team. We get a four-man brawl. Disco hits a face buster and Alex Wright a neck breaker for the one, two, three. This was quick, but it was okay. This is one of the better matches on this show, which is not saying a lot. After our final commercial, we come back for our main event. Giant and Stevie Ray versus DDP and Conan. So finally, we're going to get some star power on the show. Conan hits a rolling lariat, Giant hits a clothesline and a backbreaker as the heels begin to double team. Canyon hits a face buster a la the X Factor, DDP a spinning clothesline and the diamond cutter. The Giant makes a save though and out come the NWO for a disqualification finish. So this earns my second dick move of the week. Whoever booked this shit, this show has been absolutely filled with jobbers and lower mid-card talent. No name talent on this show whatsoever. We finally get four guys that we might give a shit about, or at least a couple that we do, and they let them wrestle for two minutes and send all the jobbers out to interfere and ruin the match. Fuck right off. Less than five minutes, DQ finish. Goldberg comes out and destroys all the heels except for the giant. They have a stare down and we go out. This show was an absolute steaming pile of shit, and whoever booked it should be immediately fired from the wrestling business. I can't put this any nicer if I try. There it is. So now we're probably going to go through and very quickly chew through and pick a winner because, yeah, this was a a tough one to to go with. As far as match quality, I'm going to go with a tie. 
there wasn't really a good match on either show. There was a couple that were passable for different spots, but nothing was good, so no one picks up the win there. Production value, I'm going to go with the WWF, even though they had a rare drop. Um, Nitro canned in too much fake noise, left empty seats in front of the hard can, hard cam even, and then lost patches of the show as well. It's even got one of them disclaimers when you watch it on the network, so there you have it. Crowd heat, I'm going to go with the WWF by far. As I said, Thunder had empty seats in the front row, for Christ's sake, so definitely a fed win there. Storyline advancement again goes to the WWF. They were basically advancing storylines last minute to get you to buy a pay-per-view, so that was their MO for the evening. And characters is definitely going to go to the WWF because even though it's their second-tier show, we saw Stone Cold, DX, The Rock, Shawn Michaels, Commentator, we had Sable out, and WCW gave us Barry fucking Horowitz. So there you have it. WWF basically put on an average show and it smoked this shower of shit that was WCW. So pretty easy one, short podcast. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, All I'll ask this week, won't shill anything much, is I'm really, really short on reviews for the podcast. So we're getting a lot more listens recently, but I've not seen a review in ages. And sometimes it's not visible from other countries. So I'd love if anyone out there could leave me a review. And if you do, please take a screenshot and tweet it to me because there's a good chance I won't catch it otherwise. Other than that, thanks everyone for listening. There'll be a few more shows coming out in the next few weeks, so stay tuned as I try and get the uh, schedule back up and running. And thanks for everyone's patience. Have a good one. Bye. The end is here. The game is over. No more pretending.